Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. One of my favorite Christmas traditions was stockings. I don't know how many people actually did stockings growing up, and that's just a new discovery to me this week when someone else asked the question, and different people had different traditions. But how many people here had stockings as the tradition growing up at Christmas? Show of hands? Almost, almost everyone. Now, did you have, how many of you guys were allowed to open your stockings before your family? Or how many of you had to wait until you, uh, you opened them all together? All right. Interesting. Because the way I discovered my parents used stockings is they used it as a, used it as a tactic to sleep in. So my brother and I, we would, fill, uh, we would get our stockings, lay them out at the fireplace the, uh, on Christmas Eve, then we'd go up to bed, and w- our understanding was that Santa would come in, fill our stockings, bring them up to our room, and leave them at our door. So then in the morning, if, no matter what time we woke up, other than one time it was 1.30 in the morning and we were forced to go back to bed, if we woke up at 5, we could get up, we could go through our stockings, and then or whatever was in there, and then wait until 7 a.m. to then bust into my family's room and wake them up for the best Christmas ever. And if you haven't seen the Matt Damon SNL sketch uh, sketch on best Christmas ever, look that up tonight on YouTube. It's awesome. As a parent, uh, you will definitely appreciate the humor in that. But anyways, uh, so my brother and I, we'd, we'd go into our stockings, and there's the chocolate, there was the orange there that would just kind of weigh it down and make it feel heavier. And then we had a few presents that would kind of pass the time. Well, this one year, and I, I, I've been thinking about how old I was. I must have been about five years old, so about 1987. My number one Christmas wish, this, the gift that I hoped for the most, were bath crayons. So Crayola bath crayons. You could draw on yourself, draw on the wall. It would all wash off. Mom's happy. So that's what I wanted. So my brother and I were opening our stockings, and he opens his gift, and it's bath crayons. I'm like, Rob, these can't be yours. He's three years older than me, so he doesn't really want bath crayons at this age. And he's like, oh, sorry, Santa gave them to me. Like, I guess he knows that I want them more. I'm like, but you don't want them. This, this was my number one wish. Well, anyways, I pleaded my case to my parents. My brother, like all good older siblings do, refused to give them to me. And he had what I believed were my bath crayons. But don't feel too bad for me because later that morning, as we unwrapped the gifts under the tree, I eventually did get my very own set of bath crayons. And... While my parents thought this was a brilliant joke, I was traumatized as a (laughs) five-year-old. I had hoped for them for so long. That was my number one wish for Christmas. And I think we can all relate to this sense of hoping for things on different levels. This this sense of hoping for, whether it be a gift at Christmas or hoping that we'll... um, get married and hoping that we'll have children and and hoping for good grades. Hoping is this word that we throw around all the time as we're longing for things, as as we're wanting things. And maybe there's something you've really been hoping for and and you've, you've received it, you've gotten it. And perhaps there's times that you've really been hoping for something and it hasn't come through. 
But this experience and this feeling of hoping for something is something that I believe we share across humanity. But you see, the way that we use the word hope doesn't exactly line up with what it truly means. And what I mean by that is, is we celebrate peace, joy, love, and hope during Advent at Christmas. But if hope is merely wishing for something, wanting something, then, then what's the point? What's the, what's the deeper meaning that it's actually getting at? You see, the definition of hope coming out of our dictionary is actually for a noun, a feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. So example they use was, I have high hopes to make the Olympic team, or I have high hopes that the projector will work. But the verb, I want something to happen or to be the case. I hope the kids are okay. Or like in our case last night, I hope Kinsley will go to bed this time. But as we look at the biblical hope, at, at Christian hope this Advent season, we're going to see that it's a different kind of hope. It's a deeper hope. And it's, it's not just the sense of being optimistic, of looking on the bright side, the glass half full. It's not about making a wish or wishing on your lucky star or the lucky rabbit's foot. I believe the hope that we have as followers of Jesus is a confident hope. It, it's an anticipation. In other words, Christian hope, I believe, is a state of anticipation. You see, anticipation is more than just hoping something will happen. It's an expectancy. You know something's going to happen, so you prepare, you wait, you watch for it. The excitement continues to build and grow because you know it's coming. You know it's going to happen. It's much like anticipating the birth of a child. When we had Landon, there's this sense of wonder and excitement and, and nervousness. And there's the growing pains. And the, as the baby continues to form and grow, you see changes taking place and you're aware of it. You begin preparing for it. Because you know, whether you're ready or not, this baby is coming. This is anticipation. And this is Advent. We're waiting for the baby. We're waiting and we're preparing for the gift of Jesus. For Emmanuel to break into our world. For God to be with us. For the infinite to become finite. For the impossible to actually be made possible. Our hope is not a wish wished for, but a gift given to us in Jesus. I'll repeat that, and I'm, I'm probably going to hammer this home several times, but I truly believe our hope is not a wish wished for, but a gift given to us in Jesus. So if we go back and visit the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, we have these shepherds who are just hanging out in a field minding their own business, taking care of their sheep, when suddenly an angel appears to them, announcing the Messiah, the Lord, Jesus, has been born in Bethlehem. More angels come on the scene, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. But there's more to this. Because the verses following this, in verses 15 and 16, go on to say, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And I love this because the shepherds weren't going in hopes that this had happened. They weren't going to make sure it had happened. They, they were going with anticipation for what has happened. They were met by the angels. They, they, they didn't doubt it. They, they ran off to find Mary and Joseph and the baby, which they did, lying in a manger. And they were expectant. They had this confident hope that we were just met with the glory of God. And we know that this is true. So hope is not a wished wish for, but a gift given to us in Jesus. Hope is not a feeling. It's a person. And again, that person is Jesus. If hope was merely a feeling, I don't believe it could be sustained for long. Like, I don't know how much I could keep going with optimism and my optimistic outlook, which comes to me fairly easy, but after you're getting beat down year after year after year, if you don't have this confident hope and assurance, I don't know if, if it, faith in Jesus would have lasted 2,000 years. I believe that a posture of praise, thanksgiving, prayer, and obedience could not be sustained for long in a chaotic and pointless world with no good end in sight. Rather, hope is a gift given to us in Jesus, and I believe sustained by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what do I mean when I say that hope is a person? Well, in Matthew 12, 21, it says, in his name the nations will put their hope. And last week I mentioned that Jesus is the Greek form of the name Joshua, and Joshua means God saves. So in his name, in Jesus, the nations will put their hope. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So what I mean is that the reason we can have such a confident hope in Jesus is that he is coming again. And he's coming again to make all things new, to restore and to redeem everything, to fix what has been broken. And we know this because we have a God who keeps his promises. And for this, I wish we had the screen because I made a, a simple equation to demonstrate this. So I'll try and explain it. I just put two statements together, kind of a, a logical thing, like A, B, A plus B equals C. So A, God said he would come once, and he did. He came in Jesus. He came in the, the birth of a baby, to bending low to to be with us. B. He said he would lay down his life for his people and take it up again. And he did. This is the resurrection. This is Jesus. The, this is the Easter celebration. Three days after he was buried, he rises again. And we have witness accounts, eyewitness accounts of his reappearance. So then C. He said he will return. And he will. So while we prepare for his coming as, as a baby and remember that he came once, he's, almost, he's also promised to come again. And the reason we can be confident of that third statement is because the first two are true. If the first one, God said he would come once and he did, if that's not true, well then none of it makes sense. If the second one, 
that he said he would lay down his life for his people and take it up again. If, if that wasn't true, well then, I don't know what we're hoping for for his return. But the amazing thing is that God did say he was going to come, and he came. And God did say he was going to lay down his life and take it up again. And he did. And he says he will return, and he will. Matt Chandler, a pastor down in Texas, he writes this. The full womb, which led to a full crib, which led to an empty tomb, should fill us with great joy for this simple reason. He is coming back. And this is why we celebrate Christmas. This is why we light the candle of hope at Christmas. We celebrate Christ's birth, knowing that one day we will celebrate with him face to face. One day there will be no more tears or pain or suffering. One day he will return to make right and to fix what's been broken. And this is the hope that we can be confident of. It's not this, this wish wished for. It's a gift that's been given. So tonight, let's remember to be people of hope. Let's redeem our anticipation for this Christmas season by reflecting upon the good news of great joy given to all people, even in a broken world. But let's be careful not to get the feeling of Christmas mixed up with the meaning of Christmas. And this is part of the beauty of Advent. Rather than getting caught up in the swift-flowing river of commercialism and consumerism, the hustle and bustle of buying and traveling and gathering, Advent reminds us to drop anchor. It reminds us to slow down. I believe the practice of Advent is that anchor. That we can lie still. Our hope lies in the promise that our past, present, and future does not lie outside of God. So as we remember to be people of hope, remember that it, it's different than optimism. Optimism looks for the silver lining in the cloud of circumstance, but instead our hope chooses to wait expectantly for God to bring his goodness to bear in our future, regardless of how dark our circumstances currently are. So our hope comes from God's past faithfulness, and I believe it's kept alive by paying attention to God's continued faithfulness. He continues to show up. But we have to pay attention to it, and we have to pay attention to God's will being done here on earth as it is in heaven. That's the prayer that he, t he teaches us. But hope is not a wished wish for, but a gift given to us in Jesus. And this hope is for everyone. Have you received his gift this Christmas? I think this is one of the the greatest questions we can ask because it's astounding that so many people around our world celebrate Christmas every year, but they've never received the greatest gift of all, Jesus. In Jesus, your past is forgiven. You get a purpose for living. Jesus can replace your frustration in your heart with peace. He can replace your guilt with shame and forgiveness. He can replace your worry and anxiety with confidence. He can replace your depression with hope. He can fill your emptiness with meaning and purpose. If you trust him, he can replace your confusion with clarity. And it doesn't matter whether you're Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, Mormon, or have no religious background at all. 
God didn't send Jesus to bring us religion. Jesus came to make a relationship with God possible. And I, I'm going to end with a prayer that if you're kind of on your journey and you're trying to figure things out, I invite you to listen in on. If you want to receive the best Christmas gift of a lifetime, Jesus, pray it with me. Or even if you've been a believer for years and you just need to recommit to him this season, pray this prayer with me. Here, Heavenly Father, God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, so that I could get to know you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being with me all my life, even when I didn't know it. I realize I need a savior to set me free from sin, from myself, and from all the habits, hurts, and hang-ups that mess up my life. I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I want to repent and live the way you created me to live. Be the Lord of my life and save me by your grace. Save me from my sins and save me for your purpose. I want to learn to love you, trust you, be, become what you made me to be. Thank you for creating me and choosing me to be part of your family. Right now, by faith, I accept the Christmas gift of your son. Fill me with your presence and assurance so I can be a peacemaker and help me share this message of peace with others. In your name I pray, amen. And if you prayed that prayer with me tonight, congratulations that uh, you're putting your faith in Jesus. And, and it's this ongoing, continual thing we have to do, but like the shepherds, don't keep it to yourself. Tell someone. Tell someone either in your family or close to you or sitting by you or if you want to use the Connect card and put it in the offering bucket, that'd be phenomenal too. So we could know this and journey with you. And the reason I've kind of been looking around kind of scattered is uh, I'm looking for my cell phone because just before, as I was writing this message, oh, there it is, I left it at the sound booth. Thanks, Trev. Just before I was writing this um, this message, and, and it was really put on my heart to just pray this prayer and, uh, and open this up to others. I received a, a text message, and I asked if I could share it, which I got permission. And she just said, hi, Kevin. I just want to thank you again for getting me the Jesus movie. I just finished watching it. It's such a beautiful story. I was getting goosebumps when I was watching the movie and learning about Jesus' life and all the miracles he does. The movie ended with a beautiful prayer. I got so emotional. I have to thank you and Amanda for giving me more hope and a new life through Jesus. That person attends our church. I, I asked for her permission to share it tonight because she couldn't be here herself. And she said, sure, no problem. But that's the beauty of Christmas. That's the, that's the hope of the gospel, is when we first met her, she was struggling. She just was looking for hope. And the fact that she ended th that message saying, I found hope and a new life in Jesus, that's what's being offered. That's why we meet here week after week and why we're, we're 
participating with God in the, the furtherance and the extension of his kingdom. So I, I was going to end with a song that uh, was Hope for Everyone by Matt Marr. And I was going to invite you to participate in communion, but with um, the audio not working, I'm not sure if it will or not. Oh, the audio is working. So you know what? I'm going to continue to end with that. It's a simple song. You can listen along to it. And I invite you that as the song's playing, to reflect on the words of the song and to remember the act of Jesus. That this bread represents the body that, that was given for us. The blood represents this new covenant between us and God that, that allows this restored relationship. And This is our hope. We, we come here to be reminded of peace, joy, love, and hope this confident assurance. And I just invite anyone who's here who, whose posture is facing Jesus, who's striving to move toward Jesus, you don't have to have it all figured out or be perfect. But Jesus' love is demonstrated and shown at this table. And it's open to all. So let me just pray once more. And then as the song goes on, feel free to come up grab a piece of bread and cup and go back to your seat and you can take it when you're ready. We won't do it all at the same time. But Heavenly Father, thank you again for transforming lives, for changing communities, for the gift of your son. God, we participate in this now to remember you, to remember the work that was done. Because not only did you come this world as a baby, you grew up to be a man, and you paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we could be in this restored relationship with you, our Heavenly Father. God, we thank you now in your name. Amen.